In today's show, I'm looking back at the 2020-2021 season for the Utah Jazz. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. As I said, we are here to talk about the Utah Jazz. But today's Utah Jazz season review show is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Only 2.6 grams of carbs and 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week coming up later in the episode. Let's talk about these Utah Jazz and what the season uh, what the season ended up with for those guys. Um yeah, obviously they were the best team in the NBA during the regular season. 52 and 20, number one seed in the Western Conference, go up 2-0 in the second round against the LA Clippers and lose. So a very disappointing end to the year, but we can't downplay the success that they did have during the regular season. Sure, the Donovan Mitchell injury didn't help, but they need to be able to they need something extra to be able to push them over that hump. Yeah, the playoffs and regular season, they are different in terms of ways of building a team. Um, decisions made there with Dennis Lindsay stepping into an advisory role to spend more time with his family, with Justin Zanuck being promoted to GM. So I don't think that changes too much, but it is something that has happened. They had the third best offense and the fourth best defense. So honestly dominating on both sides of the ball, really. 18th best pace, and they just have their first round draft pick in the draft. That is pick number 30. Not saying they're going to do too much with that one. They didn't do too much with their first rounder last year, but yeah, of course, they've done well with some other late round picks like their uh, their big fella in the middle, Rudy Gobert. But let's talk about the free agency situation. The one there, it's the big question, of course, is Mike Conley, who's an unrestricted free agent. I do believe that Conley will be back. If he is not back, they are in significant trouble. Uh, I think he will be back another two, three years. Maybe it's 15, probably $20 million plus. Yeah, have, no, have to be $20 million plus. I know Conley is older, but he will, um, he'll be back. He is, what, going to be 34 in about four or five months' time. But he'll be back for another couple of years, I would expect. And then George Nyang, the only other rotation player there who's an unrestricted free agent. Look, he's totally okay as a 10th man, but... Again, we saw him exposed pretty significantly in the playoffs and not someone you want to rely upon all that heavily. Isan Ilyasova is unrestricted. Uh, Jawan Morgan, Jarrell Brantley, and Trent Forrest are restricted. I think Forrest showed a little bit this year. Morgan started some games last season. Well, Brantley, I don't know. There's, he's all right, but look, they're not guys that you want to be falling all over yourself. I think two of those three will be back, including yeah, Forrest, and then maybe Morgan or Brantley, one of those guys. Well, Mia One and Matt Thomas both have non-guarantees. I'm pretty sure that One will be back, and I'm pretty sure that Thomas will be back, even though they didn't play him a huge amount after acquiring him from the Toronto Raptors at the trade deadline, where they didn't have to give up a huge amount to get Matt Thomas in. I, I do think that he will. I do think that he will return uh, to the team, but this is as good as time as any, as me to tell you about the Michelob Ultra Player of the Week. 
the first guy that we're going to talk about in today's show, it's Rudy Gobert. So he can be the Utah Jazz's Michelob Ultra Player of the Week because Rudy Gobert not only was uh, an all-defensive team, he was Defensive Player of the Year. He was really, really good. And I know that the common narrative is, oh, that Rudy Gobert gets played off the floor in the playoffs. That is a blatant lie. And I'll tell you why it is. Did he get attacked in that game seven, or sorry, game six, whatever it was against the Clippers? And did they target him defensively? Yeah, they did. And that matchup didn't work particularly well. He still played more minutes than any single Utah Jazz player in that game. I think he played 42 minutes. So to say he got played off the floor is a blatant lie. To say that his defense wasn't as effective is 100% the truth. But that doesn't take away from the fact that he is the most impactful defender in the entire NBA, and he was unbelievable during the regular season. It just didn't it didn't happen for him, and it has had he has had some problems maybe once or twice in the playoffs, but it's never been a consistent thing. So that overriding narrative with him, I don't know why I'm harping on this because we're talking about joy, but you know, Utah Jazz fans they should have joy when Rudy Gobert Rudy Gobert's out there. He's a very good offensive player. He's an excellent defensive player, and that brings you happiness and enjoyment. Being a team that is that good, and Gobert being that part of it, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Only two point six grams of carbs and ninety five calories. Joy creates success, but enjoyment isn't the end game. It is the whole game. The Michelob Ultra Player of the Week is Rudy Go Gobert. Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert. All right. Does that swing me on to talk about the big fella? It is. I know you're waiting for it. Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert. Interesting season for Gobert. He played just 31 minutes a game in his 71 games. It's not very much, is it? He still ended as the 29th ranked player. And in a punt situation, he is ranked a lot higher because his free throws were you know, obviously pretty horrendous for this team. What did he, you know, 62% from the field. But he started the season not at that level. Now, he was a pretty popular, say, third round pick. Well, his ADP was right on 29, which is exactly where he ended up uh, the season at. So you know, he, he did return that value. But as I said, in, in a punt situation... You're looking at Gobert as, I'm just going to bring up his uh, his punt ranking. He was the 12th ranked player in a punt free throw ranked build. So he did provide that value, averaging 14 and 14 with 2.7 blocks on 68 from the field and 62 from the line. So really, he's a three category guy. He doesn't hit threes, he doesn't get assists, he doesn't get steals, and he's bad at free throws, but he's massive in rebounds, massive in blocks, and massive in field goal percentage. So a real category stud. His points leagues numbers weren't too bad either. 40 points per game, 29th in points leagues there as well. He started out poorly. He was outside the top 50 for a long stretch of time. The blocks were down, um, but started to come together. And I don't think it's outrageous. He's only 29. He'll be this guy again next year. In fact, the 31 minutes could easily go to 33 minutes, and he jumps into the top 24 and becomes a second-round guy if you are looking uh, at that sort of build, which, again, is if you are... If you are drafting Gobert, you are putting yourself into a uh, punt free throw scenario. I don't think there's uh, I don't think there's too much argument really about that. We know that he is you know, elite as a role man, as an interior defender, as a rebounder, as a finisher, all that stuff. There's, there's no surprise in any of this. He's a low usage player who is great at setting screen assists. You know, right at the top, if you can see on that graphic there, um, screen assists per 75, just you know, unbelievable rim protector, unbelievable defender, and a very good fantasy producer, as we've seen over the years. You know, rebounds in the high level, blocks in the high level, field goal percentage very high. Um, all that stuff is great. And you can look at these grades here, like the king grade on defensive LeBron, king on defensive RPM. That means you're yeah, top of the top of the 
the table. Very, very high numbers. Interestingly, RPM rates his offense as really bad. Every other metric has it as very good. So again, I'm, I'm a little bit out on RPM as an overall metric. I do prefer looking at Raptor and looking at LeBron as those metrics and looking at um, uh, EPM as well, which if you don't know what EPM is, it is a metric uh, on the Dunks and Threes website. It's called Estimated Plus Minus. Uh, that's one that I would suggest looking at as well. I'm, I'm not as big on RPM. It just doesn't seem to uh, marry up with things. Uh, and Gobert was 99th percentile on EPM as well. In terms of where he matched up with last year's numbers, he averaged 34 minutes a game last season. So down to 31 is a big drop, but he only had 15 and 14. So he was much more productive this year. His blocks went back up, but just bear in mind that the 2.7 blocks that Gobert had this year, it was higher than any number he has ever had in his career. So there is a chance that that goes, and he was at only at two blocks last year. So that 2.7 goes to 2 or to 2.3 where he's been hanging around. Don't expect 2.7, I guess is what I'm trying to say uh, when we're talking about Rudy Gobert moving forward. Let's look at the next guy. He's Don. He's good. Yeah, he is. Donovan Mitchell is really, really good. The ankle injury obviously hobbled him throughout the playoffs, um, and we never want to see that sort of thing happen. Um, He is a guy that does get overrated in fantasy, but to be completely honest... This was his best season. He was the 37th ranked player. He averaged 26 points, three and a half threes, four and a half boards, five assists, one steal, 44 and 85 on six attempts. And 34% usage is a really big number for Donovan Mitchell, by far the best number of his career. One thing that I've harped on about Donovan Mitchell is how does he become that top 10 to top 12 fantasy guy? Because I do think he's got it in him. And there are three things that he needed to do. Improve his free throw rate. It went from 4.7 free throw attempts per game up to six per game, right? So that's you're not quite at the eight level, but get, that's an improvement. Getting your assists up. He went from being a guy that averages 4.3 assists to 5.3. And he can easily take that to six. So that is on the trajectory. Getting the steals back to where he was as a rookie is 1.5. Well, that didn't work out because he went down to one steal per game this year. And the next thing is getting your overall efficiency up. So he hit 39% of his threes, but just 47% of his twos. He hasn't been a 50% two-point shooter since his rookie season. That needs to get to 52-53, and his field goals need to jump to 47. So we've seen a couple of steps up. The usage has gone up. The assist rate's gone up. The free throw rate has gone up. That's all the stuff that leads you to being an elite player. And I do think that while he was a clear overdraft this year at number 26, sorry, at number 25 was his ADP, finished 37th. He was 26th in points leagues. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see him crack the top 30 next year. And I would have no hesitation drafting Mitchell in the third round. Again, I've been like, he's never been top 40 before. So I'm not taking him inside the top 25 like that ADP would suggest. But taking him in the 30s, I think he's going to absolutely be the right decision. Um Let's have a look at some of his advanced numbers for the season. Again, he he was really, really strong this year. He did have some slow patches, and early on, his efficiency was was really quite poor, and it did lead to some problems. But in terms of what he's able to do uh, as a passer, um, I think you have to like what he does. As a shooter, it is really strong. His usage is awesome. His finishing is good. His playmaking improved. His drawing threes has improved. His isolation game has improved. His catch and shoot is good. Look at his offensive load, his true usage, his usage rate, his hog rate, all that stuff really high, which is what this team needs, and he did it at a very, very high level. So that's super impressive for Mitchell, and I do think there are more gears to come. Unfortunately, LeBron thought his defense was atrocious, 7th percentile. Raptor thought it was 25th percentile. Like, 
He went from being a 3 and D guard in the NBA to being a guy that is just purely offense at this point. And that's why I worry that that steal rate won't ever come back up to being that number will take him into the top 12. Top 20 absolutely is a possibility. Points, threes, assists, free throw rate, it's all coming together. Scoring is there. Um, I do think, you know, what did he average? 26 points per game this year, Don. I think he can average 27 and a half. I think he can do 27 and a half, five and six with maybe 1.1 steals and 47 and 85. Like that is probably best case. And that does take you top 20. It doesn't quite, I don't think, take you into the top 10. It might, in, it might, but I just don't think we get there with him. Let's have a look at Mike Conley, who was always due a bounce back season. Now, before you talk and you think Mike Conley, I'm sure the first thing that comes into your mind with Mike Conley this season is, I don't want to draft him. He's injury prone. Played one more game. Sorry, one fewer game than Donovan Mitchell. So, you know, is, is he that injury prone? Yes, he missed 21 games, but I oh, say two fewer games than Donovan Mitchell. 53 to 51. But we don't put that on Mitchell, do we? We don't say, well, Mitchell, he's just missing every game. Conley's age and persistent hamstring problems are a clear issue. But he took a huge, huge step forward. He was 145th last year on a per-game basis. Conley went to 58th this year. Uh, Sorry, yeah, 58th. His ADP was 91. It was always going to be a pretty good value in that area. 32 fantasy points. And he played only 29 minutes. Now, I guess the worry I have with Conley is, with the way his body is, can he afford to play more minutes than that? Ideally, you want him playing 32 a night. And if he does that, look, that's a top 40 player. 16, three and a half and six, 1.4 steals, 44, 85. That's just really Mike, uh, solid Mike Conley numbers. And to me, there's no reason he can't get really close to that again, but he's perilously close to the LaMarcus Aldridge line where you're at almost 34 years of age and does that drop-off just come and slap you in the face like a, uh, a turkey neck scrotum? Like, I don't know what that analogy is, but whatever it is, there is a real drop-off potential here. I would never draft Mike Conley at 58, not even close. I wouldn't get anywhere near drafting him there. But I know that if he plays 31 minutes, he'll beat that number very comfortably. But I do worry that the drop-off could come. I do worry that the hamstring is a persistent problem. And I do worry that the minutes stay down. But defensively, I thought he held up well. I thought his passing was good. I thought his three-point shooting was good. I thought his movement was good. And I thought the way that he made this team better. Because remember, they didn't really have him much of last season. He was one of the reasons that took this team, uh, not necessarily to the next level, because they didn't get to that conference finals or championship level. But he did absolutely improve what they did in the regular season. And that's another reason they had some issues in the postseason, is he wasn't 100% right as well with his hamstring injury flaring up. So another problem there. And having Conley and, and Mitchell not at full strength obviously was a was a factor against the Clippers. Um, the metrics all loved him. Look, A's basically right across the board. LeBron, RPM, Raptor, um, uh, luck adjusted, plus minus. Pretty sure I'm just going to bring up uh, EPM's not included on that list, which I should, uh, should get that. See if I can get that added into that uh, combination there. Well, he was at you know plus five point six there, positive offensively, positive defensively. He didn't finish particularly well at the rim, just fifty one percent. But mid range shooting was great, forty one percent on threes. Are really strong numbers for Conley, um, and he was just really really impressive as a player. Big assists, big steals, good threes, good scoring. Never going to be a rebound or blocks guy, but helping in those categories. And again, I think he can do it again for one more year. But the the worry that I do have is is that drop off coming. I, th- I think there that is a that is a genuine risk with Mike Conley. Let's talk about the next guy, Jordan Clarkson, who was the winner of the Sixth Man of the Year award. Uh, uh, obviously, a decision that I did not agree with. 
Clarkson was amazing to begin the year and then had a really rough second half of the season. He ended up 104th uh, in his overall fantasy value in categories, 97th in points leagues, averaging 28 points, 27 minutes per game across these 68 games, um, averaging 18 points with three threes, four rebounds, 0.9 steals. But again, low field goals at 42.5%, low steals, low rebounds, low assists. He's that guy that was able to bump his value when either one of Conley or Mitchell were out. And that happened a bit this season. They missed, you know, 20 plus games each. Um, so Clarkson was able to boost his value. But when they were healthy, he'd played like 23, 24 minutes and he wouldn't be worth rostering. Now, so if you draft him at 139, he still beat that number. But I would not be keen on drafting Clarkson around that top 100 mark where, where he ended up this season. I just wouldn't be keen on it. His second half of the year wasn't as good as his first half. The efficiency stuff still is pretty rough. He had an astonishingly high usage. Absolutely astonishing. 30% usage for Jordan Clarkson. And I guess that's a function of the way that the Jazz team works is having you know, not that many high usage guys and just needing someone to be able to uh, take those shots off the bench, which is exactly the way that Jordan Clarkson likes to roll. But a very good self-creator, a pretty good finisher, a, a guy that shot pretty well at times, but also has stretches of just being absolutely atrocious from the field and some real defensive issues. I would worry a little bit with Clarkson with the fact that he shot 47% mid-range. Now, he's been pretty good from mid-range, but that can always fall off. He was excellent from the line, 90% there, but he just struggles in a lot of those other areas that if the shot's not on, I don't really know what else Jordan Clarkson is producing. You, you know, High usage, true usage, offensive load, all that stuff, really, really high. Defensively, he's not you know, particularly strong. I don't think anyone's asking him to do that, though. But the advanced metrics did like him. Raptor liked him. LeBron liked him. RPM loved him offensively. But you know, defensively, there's huge, huge holes in his game. But we know what he's there for. We know he's there to produce offense for this team, and he did that. He scores. He hits threes. He doesn't do very much else, but he does do those two things. We're headed towards the NBA finals at the moment where we're almost there. And Mikola Boltra is going to be presenting all of our coverage right across the Locked On Network. Um, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. 2.6 grams of carbs and 95 calories. We can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. Bet online are your online sportsbook experts. The fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season, NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs are all in full swing over at Bet Online and get the latest news, odds, and info for all of your sporting needs. Uh, right over there at betonline.ag. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Use our promo code Locked On. Sign up today and receive a fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online are your online sportsbook experts. We know that it can be hard to get the right parts for your car at the right price. So with this episode brought to you by Rock Auto, with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you'll need. Why would you endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questions and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Why choose to spend 30, 50, or even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years, and the prices at Rock Auto are always reliably low for every customer. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right, let's talk about the next player, and that is Jingling Joe 
Ingles. He was my pick for sixth man of the year. I ended up coming second. I thought he had a tremendous season. He did drop off a little bit when he was forced into a starter role down the end of the year when Mike Conley was out. Um, but he still had a really strong season. 105th ranked player in category leagues for the year, Ingles. He was 140th in points leagues, averaging 24 points, 28 minutes a night. He hit his threes, and he did it really efficiently. 49% from the field, 45% from three, a true shooting of 67%, which was up at around 70 earlier in the year. He averaged 12 points, five uh, assists, 0.7 steals. Those steal numbers are pretty low for Ingles, which is a little bit frustrating. And again, when he was forced into that larger role as a starter, his efficiency did drop. Ingles is 34 Right, so he will be back on this team. He'll have a similar role, but he's never going to be a 30-minute-a-night player. And if Mitchell and Conley are more healthy next season, then he, he won't play those 28 minutes. He'll play 27. He'll play 26. And he's more someone that you, you add as a last pick or you stream in off the waiver wire versus someone that you rely upon to be able to do this consistently because that's just not who he is at this point in his career. And when forced into that larger action, he produces. But when he was coming off the bench with everyone healthy, he wasn't as efficient. Unbelievable shooter, like just unbelievable stuff. Great passer. Defensive stuff did fall off a little bit, but he's still not horrendous at that end. Unbelievable passer, unbelievable shooter. That is what Ingles does and what he produces on this team. And the advanced stuff, absolutely loved him. Yeah, great uh, LeBron numbers, great Raptor numbers, great RPM numbers, great luck-adjusted RAPM numbers. Like everything uh, on that end was really, really positive for Ingles. A really solid passer. His EPM was great. He finished at the rim at 68%, which was a huge number. His shooting just right across the board was amazingly impressive this season. So Ingles... Yeah, I think can be solid again. I wouldn't be expecting him to finish inside the top 100 as we move forward, but uh, another super strong season from Jinglin Joe. A guy whose season could not be described as super strong, and that is Boyan Bogdanovich. We know that he missed the bubble last year with that wrist problem um, and then entered this season with you know, what was the same wrist problem, and he just could not do anything. He was outside the top 150 for the vast majority of the season. He ended up playing only 31 minutes a night, every game he played, 25 fantasy points, and he was 133rd in category leagues. Yeah, that's a big change from the bloke who was 79th last year and 94th the year before. So what happened? How did he fall off? His efficiency was a little bit lower, but not huge amounts. True shooting from 60 down to 59.5, but that was really fueled by the fact that he went at like 63% over the second half of the year. His early season form was poor, but what else fell off? Well, he played two fewer minutes per game, and large part because the Jazz um, blew teams out, but usage went down. Jordan Clarkson started getting more of those shots. Mike Conley played more games, so his uh, usage went up, and Mitchell's usage went up. So we saw a big drop in Bogdanovich's usage, which again, was a bit of a surprise to see him push up to 25% last year. He When he was at 22 in previous seasons. So he was able to um, uh, you sort of ride a bit of a wave last year. I think this is a more realistic expectation for where for where he lies as we move forward. Now, he is 32 as well. So don't be fooled to think that there's a you know, big bounce back potential for Boyan. He's not going to be doing too much more than scoring and hitting threes. And if the shot is off like it was this year, then then that's really what he does. Like Then you're going to have him as a streaming option versus a must-roster, must-draft type player. Um, the shooting is still good, and it was encouraging to see him come on at the second half of the year, but you know, the excitement factor or the upside factor for Bogdanovich is pretty low, I would say, at this point in his career. Um, 
you look at the the metrics did not like him. Raptor and LeBron thought he was significantly negative. Big de- defensive negatives, not that good offensively. And he was actually 43rd percentile, percentile in both LeBron and Raptor, which is a really, really bad number for a guy who's a starter on the best team in the NBA. You would have thought he would be better than that. But look, he the numbers do obscure it a little bit, but he sucked. For the first half of the year, he was really quite poor. And we saw that, you know, we fantasy managers know that. Like we we dropped him off our team plenty of times. Well, I hope you dropped him off your team plenty of times because that was the uh would have been the right call. The Jazz get decidedly unsexy from here. If you wanted to stop listening, I wouldn't blame you. Keep listening though, because you know. It helps me. But um, not a lot happens here with the back end of their roster. Royce O'Neal, their other starter, um, he had moments of being an okay fantasy guy. And look at those ranks. You go, he's 135th ranked player in category leagues, 179th in points leagues. But 135th, Josh, there's 156 rostered, not including IL spots. I, I know, but does he ever push past that? And the answer to that is probably not. Seven points, seven rebounds. Look, the, the rebounds are nice. One and a half threes, 0.8 steals, 0.5 blocks, 44 and 85 percentages. Like they're like everything is just totally below average apart from some good rebound numbers. And to me, there is absolutely no sort of scalability with what Royce O'Neill can do from a fantasy perspective. Great story, undrafted player, but he's 28. He fits in perfectly on this team with what he does, but it doesn't you know, garner us any sort of fantasy sexiness with what O'Neill is able to provide. Like a, just a very strong rebounder. Offensive rebounds is excellent and he is a key, key part of what this team does. Perimeter defensive, really, really good. Shooting stuff. Um, look, he can be a really solid three-point shooter, especially corner threes. 39% for Royce O'Neal. Like they are some solid numbers. But overall, he just is so, so low usage. Um, he's unbelievable defensively, but... Yeah, offensively, there's just so many holes in what he does that there's no scalability. And that for us, from a fantasy perspective, we just can't see how that can get better. Still, the metrics uh, did like him, but offensively, there's just so many holes in his overall game that we just don't see that he's going to be able to do too much more than this. Let's go on to Derek Favors, who came back to Utah as a free agent. I was relatively critical of that deal. I just didn't understand doing that after drafting a first-round center, which, you know, to be fair, I didn't like that first-round pick either. Um, a lot, some people drafted him, 127th ADP. People just said, well, they're just bringing the band back together. Favors and Gobert will start. That was obviously never on the cards, but some people bought into that. He played 15 minutes a night. He's obviously not the same player that he has been in the past. 64% field goals is nice, but just five rebounds per game for favors. Five and a half, five and a half points, sorry, five and a half rebounds, one block. The blocks are nice. The efficiency was solid, true shooting 66%, really good numbers, but he can't carry the load as a uh, as a starting big man anymore. He is not that old. He's only just turned 30, but lots of knee injuries and back problems throughout his career have uh, really limited his overall effectiveness. But as a role man, as a rebounder, as a defensive player, there's still quite a lot of value in what Favors brings. I'm not sure he's worth that contract, but still what he was able to bring was solid. And, and even like some of the impact stuff was pretty up on him. Interestingly, RPM thinks he was in the fourth percentile defensively. Horrible. Yet LeBron has him 82nd percentile and Raptor has him 76. So there's a massive disconnect there. 
Really good efficiency stuff. Um, really good as a as a role man and did some post-up, good post-up work too. But as a fantasy guy, it's just rebounds and blocks. But he's never going to be able to scale that up into big minutes unless there is an injury that befalls Rudy Gobert, which of course uh, you know, Jazz fans would not want to see or fantasy basketball managers for that fact. The next guy was a part of the rotation for the vast majority of the year. Actually, he played literally every game. So he's a rotation player for the whole year, and that is George Niang. 16 minutes a game for Niang, 12 fantasy points, but outside the top 330 in both category leagues and in points leagues. Hit his free throws at an astonishing rate, 96%. But just seven points, two and a half boards, under one assist, under half a steal. There's not a lot to get excited about. Look, 43% three-point shooting is excellent. 96 from the line is excellent. A true shooting of 60% is really, really good for Nyang. But he looked lost at times in the playoffs. He can be a solid backup big man. You wouldn't want to force him into a large role. He did have to start some games this year. Um, He can pass a little bit. He's not a bad passer. Is there any faith that he can scale into a twenty-minute-a-night role? I would, uh, I would have to suggest no. But as a backup role-playing big man who can shoot and pass a little bit, yeah, there's something there, I guess, for him. The metrics were okay; they were pretty positive on him. You know, seventy, seventy-fifth, eightieth percentile type numbers. Offensive and defensively, just totally solid without being spectacular. Not a good scorer, as we're well aware, but hit threes, hit him at a good rate, and everything else was fairly subpar in terms of looking at those fantasy numbers. Next player we take a look at is Ersan Ersan? Ersan. Ersan Ilyasova, who did sign with the Jazz mid-season, did absolutely nothing, played nine minutes a game across 17 games, I would think. There'd be significant doubts about him returning. Eight fantasy points. Didn't miss a free throw, so that's good. In fact, the next three players I'm going to talk about didn't miss a free throw all season. They barely took them. But he averaged four points under two rebounds. Um, He's 34 years of age. I wouldn't be expecting Ilyasova to be a uh, high priority for anybody in terms of free agency, let alone being brought back for the Jazz. But we know he can be a good shooter. We know he can be a solid defender, a solid defender. Um, But, you know, how much more than that? I don't think there's any real need to focus too highly here on Ersan Ilyasova. The advanced stuff wasn't particularly high on him, although defensively Raptor was a a pretty decent-sized fan of what he was able to do. Let's talk about some of the younger guys now. Let's move on to Trent Forrest, who was a two-way player. He's a restricted free agent. I do think they'll bring him back. But when Conley was out and when Mitchell was having struggles, they did push Forrest into the rotation. And while he wasn't awesome, I thought he held his own at times. 10 minutes a game, he averaged seven fantasy points. That's not really very good, of course. uh, Two points, one and a half assists, 45, didn't miss a free throw, just 19% from three. But there was enough there that Forrest was a guy where you say, well, if he's forced into the rotation, I don't feel completely at a loss with him being out there. Not saying that he's brilliant by any means, but I don't feel like, oh, shit, yeah, it's all over because Forrest is out there. I thought, yeah, for where he was drafted and his contract situation, he outperformed that expectation. Thought his um, driving, finishing, playmaking was all pretty good. Uh, defensively, yeah, he was okay. Um, obviously, as a rookie and a rookie guard, there's still 
a big distance to go, but not someone that embarrassed themselves this season. Uh, the, the metrics don't particularly like him. There's nothing that really stands out there. His pick and roll ball handler points per possession was 96th percentile. So that's interesting that he's working in the pick and roll. His assist rate was pretty good as well, which is something that is encouraging, but at least a sign that maybe Forrest can develop into a, a competent backup point guard in the future. But the top 150, I don't think would ever be uh, ever be a target for him. Let's look at Jarrell Brantley. A 25-year-old power forward. He played five, and these Jazz guys on the bench, they just barely played. He played five minutes a game across his 28 games. He is a guy that has put up numbers in the G League in the past. He shot 48%, including 43% from three, which are not bad numbers. But again, just no opportunity to really showcase anything with Nyang and Bogdanovich and Ingles and those guys at the forward spots um, doing a lot more than what he was doing. Defensively, again, that deep position versatility, really high, able to switch onto multiple players, um, pretty good rim protector, um, pretty good finisher as well, able to get his own shot in in deep there. Nice offensive rebound, a lot of those finishers coming on those offensive rebounds too. And um, yeah, the advanced stuff, offensive RPM loves him. I don't really know why that is, but he was okay. Nice true shooting of 61%, some you know, roll man stuff at 1.07 points per possession. There's some okay numbers. Hit his threes at a really solid rate as well at that 43%. Hit half a three a game in his five minutes, but I'm not sure that that's necessarily a sustainable figure for Jarrell Brantley. Let's now talk about Mia One, who was in the rotation a lot more than guys like Forrest and guys like Brantley. He played quite a bit for this team. As you can see, he played 54 games, 10 minutes a game, and he didn't really do anything with those things. And outside the top 450 in both category and points leagues, he averaged two points in his 10 minutes a game and shot 35%. He needs to be able to be a better shooter than this. I think he can be a solid enough defender. But the offensive part of his game really, really was a letdown. Uh, I think he can develop into maybe like a solid enough 10th man, maybe 9th man. But with Clarkson around, he's never going to get a big opportunity. And there's a chance that someone like a Trent Forrest does overtake him as that backup uh, backup guard. But I sure he thought he showed some flashes as a passer. He got some good looks. They didn't necessarily go in. And defensively, there is something there to work on with One. He is, what, 23, about to turn 24. So he's not the youngest player out there. And the impact metrics did not like him at all. And the offensive metrics didn't like him. Um, And he he did hit some threes. But overall, I would say his fantasy game was relatively limited. Now, I'm not going to talk here about Matt Thomas, Jawan Morgan, or Elijah Hughes. I don't really see much in terms of NBA futures for those guys. And to be fair... I don't really see much in terms of NBA futures for this next guy that I'm going to talk about, but he was their first round draft pick. So I do I do need to talk a little bit about Udoka as a BUK here. Um, suffered a really significant ankle injury in the G League bubble. Barely played at NBA level, just four minutes a game over 15 games. He was outside the top 500 on both category leagues and points leagues. He hit his free throws at 80%. Now, he was like a 40% guy, a 30% guy in college. So that is absolutely just not a real number. Don't be uh, fooled by that. What he is is a rebounder and a shot blocker. That is what as a UK provides, simple as that. Um, can he ever develop into a backup big man? Uh, I have my doubts. He's a good shot blocker, a good interior, can be a good interior defender, can, could be a pick and roll guy. I'm not ruling him out. There is some fantasy value in what 
Yudoka as a Buke can bring, but I just think he is way too slow. There is too little that's interesting about his offensive game or his yeah, offensive game, and I'm not sure how he goes defensively. Once all about blokes getting played off the floor, I'm not sure he's going to be able to last in the NBA that way. Uh, again, very, very limited data to go off, but those metrics hated him. Uh, pick and roll roll man, 1.27 points is good. The block rate is good, but we're in such small minutes to... to consider that it's a real success or anything like that. I still think, again, he can be like a top 250 guy, best case scenario, but I wouldn't be getting my uh, my hopes up for Yudoka as a Buke. That'll do it for my Utah Jazz podcast. I'll be back tomorrow, and I'm not sure which team I'm going to do yet. I'm, it might be the Clippers, but uh, I don't know because we are getting to the stage where my team reviews have caught up with the teams that are still left in the playoffs, and the only teams we have left to uh, to talk about are the Bucks, the Clippers, the Suns, and the Hawks. So if the Clippers do lose today's game, then we'll be talking about them. Otherwise... We'll still probably be talking about them, but they are the four teams we have left, and then we switch straight into NBA draft mode with some draft redrafts and some draft previews and some dynasty stuff as well. Guys, follow this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app on YouTube. Give it a thumbs up. Leave your comments down below. Hit that subscribe button down there, guys. We are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.